Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This Thanksgiving edition of the GM Shuffle coming your way. We'll talk about all the games that are coming up on Thanksgiving, including the Texans are taking on the Lions. Eh. Washington uh, also taking on Dallas. Eh. But the Ravens-Steelers, that game should be great. Although the Ravens, my goodness, dealing with an outbreak when it comes to COVID-19. Right now the building is shut down. We'll figure it out. Bottom line is this. We'll do all those picks plus the uh, eternal debate on the Sopranos, sauce versus gravy. But we begin with something that has not been gravy, and that's been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season. Uh, Mike and I came in thinking this would be a good, not a great team. There was questions lingering around. I think both of us thought around maybe 9-7. and seven. Well, right now they're 7-4, and four, but they almost pulled off a victory against the Rams, except Tom Brady, that's right, the six-time Super Bowl champion was the one who was to blame through a pair of interceptions, including one that sealed the game with 149 left. And you go, oh my God, that's terrible. So now it's time for a new segment here on the GM Shuffle. Now's not the time to not say that's right. Courtesy of Harvey Keitel on The Irishman. Take a listen to Bruce Arians, who uh, clearly very critical, Mike, when it came to Tom Brady and his situation. Basically, Arians, he's blaming Brady for, excuse me, for what's happening. I'll give you one of the quotes here, and then you take the ball and run with it. Other than the deep ball, I think he's getting confused a few times with the coverage. That might be the cause for some inaccurate balls, but I don't see it at all in practice. We're not missing the deep ball in practice, that's for sure. It's just a matter on Sundays hitting them. That was among the quotes he used criticizing Tom. I don't think it's a confidence problem whatsoever. It's just still um, some, it's not lack of trust. It's just lack of continuity within the offense uh, of the whole picture. We've got the guys open. We just missed them. And uh, there are times when coverage dictates you go to that guy. So um, I think we can do a better job uh, of uh, utilizing the deep ball in our game plan uh, more of or less of. So each, each and every week so different. But uh, when they're there, we need to hit them. We can't have them going off our fingertips and we can't overthrow them. You know, A.D., I, I think Bruce Arians, he, he amazes me with his ability to be a part-time commentator. I don't think he's left CBS left yet and be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For a guy who's won one playoff game as a head coach, you know, to take some of the shots that he takes at Brady, who, look, I, I'm not a Brady apologist. I love Tom Brady to death. I want Tom to be successful. So I'm going to put that caveat out there. I, I think he's one of the greatest human beings of all time. And I think there's things you have to understand about Tom Brady more than ever to really appreciate the, 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 how great of a player he is. But that being said, I mean, for Bruce to criticize him when Bruce is just as much a part of the problem as anybody. I mean, they're 31st in the National Football League on first down efficiency. You have a 42-year-old quarterback. You do not want him throwing the football. I don't care who he is. You don't want him throwing the ball 48 times. You don't want to be in second and long all the time. But what drives me crazy, A.D., and I think this is where we as football fans really get cheated, is when something happens in the game that no one points out or pays attention to that ultimately is the deciding factor in the game. Now, Brady's interceptions clearly were, but this is before that. At the end of the first half, I'm sitting on my couch with Millie, 
and the Buccaneers get the football back with 431 to go in the game. Now, since I've been watching and I've just finished the Queen's Gambit, is that how you say it? Millie always corrects me on that all the time. I can't say that right all the time. Anyway, uh, you know, football's a lot like chess, right? So whoever has the white pieces in chess based on the level of play typically can win. But the player's talent can reverse the chess by the moves. Football's similar to chess. Whoever gets the ball first is the white pieces. But as I wrote about in Gridiron Genius, the middle eight is ultimately how you turn when you have black into white. When you become, you get in control of the game. So here we are, the middle eight. The Bucks get the ball. The score is 14 to 14. You have the ball with 4.31 to go in the half. The Rams, who notoriously utilize most all their timeouts because McVay's basically running the team from the sideline and the play clock keeps going down on them. So they only have two timeouts left remaining. So they get the ball back, right? We need to get a first down. We need to get to a two-minute warning. We don't need to be in hurry-up offense. We just need to make sure that we are moving the ball. We need first downs so they don't get the ball back because they just went on a – Eight-play, 75-yard drive and score. Okay. Now, we get the ball first down. We throw a, a, one yard. We have a, th- a second and 11. Brady throws a pass for a first down. Beautiful. First and 10, four yards. Clock's running. Second and six. L- get pushed out of bounds. Clock stops. Third and five, 219. Big call here. This is a big call in the game. Now, it's not talked about, but it's a really big call in the game because this is going to determine who controls the middle eight. Right, Brady throws a, a, a pass short middle to, to for seven yards. Great catch by Antonio Brown. First down, two-minute warning. Okay, now, I sitting there on the couch, I say to Millie, this play must be a run. The next play must be a run. It has to be a run. Because what we want to do at this point, we have the ball at midfield. We have plenty of time. We have our timeouts. We have plenty of time to do whatever we want to do. We need the clock to work in our favor So if we hand the ball off or call a screen or call something that we know is going to be a controlled pass, that clock's going to run. So what does Bruce Arians do? He throws a deep pass that Brady doesn't connect. Now, whatever you want to say about Brady, we've known all along. Brady's not the greatest deep ball thrower. We've known that. That's just part of his game that isn't on the highest level. So incomplete pass. Clock stops. 153. Throw it. We throw a, a now. What do the Rams do? The Rams don't have to call timeout. They just got their third timeout back. If you run the ball there, right, the Rams aren't going to call timeout. They're going to let that clock go. The Rams are nervous. They're playing against you. They don't think they're going to get the ball back. If you let that clock run, now you got second down. The clock's running. Say you got a yard on first down. Say you got a yard on first down. Now you let that clock keep running. All right, second down call. You can either run it again or you can complete an impasse, but you want to make sure the clock's going to keep running. But what do they do? They throw a pass, right? Second and down. He throws a short pass for one yard. The clock keeps running. Rams don't call timeout, right? They don't call timeout there. They're going to let it go to the third down play. Third down, third and seven, incomplete pass. Rams get the ball back with one minute to go and two timeouts. And they kick a field goal to basically go into halftime at 17 to nothing, of which Sean McVay is undefeated at halftime. He's 32-0 as a head coach when he's leading at halftime. And they go in and undefeated. And everybody, and no one says a word about the first down call after the two-minute warning. They don't say anything about the middle eight. They don't say anything about any of that. And I said to my wife, I said, they just lost the game at that point. They just lost the game at that point. 
So we can have this debate about Brady's the problem. But if you can't figure out why you lose games, you can't figure out how to win games. That's well said because it's very specific to that moment. You've always talked with the middle eight how important it is to circle back to your point about Arians. I do like the fact he's gruff and speaks his mind. And it's it's one of those, I think you're right to look at specifics. Because if I just told you overall numbers, hey, Brady's almost thrown for 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, nine picks. Hey, uh, all looks nice, right? But, but Jared Goff outplayed him. I mean, you look at the Rams receivers, Woods and Cup, both those guys, double digits in receptions. This is the offense we're expecting from Tampa. We're expecting Evans to put up big numbers and Antonio Brown. And, and, and oftentimes they just don't seem to be in sync. And, and the overarching message of Bruce Arians was he kept saying, it's not a lack of trust. It's just a lack of continuity within the offense. And it goes back to the point you made, Mike, about Tom and the deep balls. Like maybe uh, it's odd because Arians is saying in practice it works, but I'm with you. If it's not working in games, like it's kind of like when we were talking about field goals and you were mentioning earlier this year how many teams, they just love going for it 50 plus, even though the numbers don't bear that out. How now on fourth and in you know fourth and two, fourth and three, so many teams go for it, and yet the percentages haven't changed. I wish if you looked at deep balls just around the league and then specific to Tom Brady, if he doesn't connect on these, like wouldn't you have to alter the game plan? And I get the fact Brady's the one making a lot of these calls, like Byron Left, which is the OC, but I'm sure Brady's making the calls. Aaron's has said as much, basically. No, no, Tom's calling his own game plan. Someone's gonna tell Tom, hey, enough with the deep balls, it ain't working. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the that that's exactly right. You know, look, the job of the head coach every single year is to figure out what he has as a football team. And after 10 weeks, you should know. I mean, look, when I when I was reading the quotes in the spring about the, what the Bucks said about Brady, as much as I love Tom, that wasn't who, they they weren't describing the Tom that I know. The Tom that I know needs to get the ball out of his hand quickly. He doesn't move very well. He needs to have really good protection. He needs to be in a short passing game where he can control who he's throwing the ball to, guys that get open quickly. He needs to have a running game that can support him, that can support him. He's not going to carry the team. He's going to not turn this ball over, of which he's turning it over at a higher rate, which every quarterback under Bruce Arians turns the ball over at a higher rate. Now, is that coincidental? I mean, ask Andrew Luck. Ask any of the guys, Carson Palmer. They all, he is the quarterback whisperer, but the reality of it is, is like he says, no, no, no shot, no biscuit. I mean, he's going to turn the ball over. And Brady typically doesn't want to turn the ball over. Brady wants a short passing game. He wants to control it. You know, nine turnovers for Tom Brady is a lot of turnovers. And here's the other factor that you have to, he only threw eight last year for New England. He only threw eight last year for New England. You know, nine, you know, nine is just one of, it's going to be way too many for Tom. And here's the thing that you have to understand is Brady, for all these attempts down, they're only averaging 6.8 yards per attempt. Like that's not good enough. You know, that's not good enough. And if you look at if you look at at Winston last year, I mean, you could say whatever you want about Winston. Winston could Winston was the right guy for what he wants to do. I mean, Winston was averaging eight one six a cat a throw last year. Now he had way too many interceptions, don't get me wrong, but that's part of the offense. So you as a coach, the chief figure out officer, you got to figure out how to change the offense to fit the quarterback. And I just don't think that that's what Bruce does. And I think when this when this marriage started, I said it wasn't going to be a good marriage unless Bruce decided to run the offense exactly how New England runs it. And they refused to do that, AD. They're not going to do that. And so they're going to be a wild card team that's going to play a team in the playoffs that's going to have a hard time. I thought the adjustments in the game. Look, give Sean. This game was another, to me, another 
piece of evidence to support I would have rather paid $30 million for Sean McVay a year than give it to Jared Goff. And people say, well, Lombardi, you're crazy. You just have a hard-on for Jared Goff, you know? No, no, I don't. No, that's not it. But here's what Sean McVay decided. Because, you know, I've been disastrous with my picks lately. I've been on, an, on a cold, 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 freezing cold streak. Because in this game, my thought was Todd Bowles was going to be able to pressure Goff. Okay? And Goff under pressure is a disaster. And Sean McVay, who's way smarter than me, said, Todd Bowles is going to pressure Goff. So what am I going to do? I'm getting rid of this ball. I don't care that I can't run it. I only averaged less than two yards a carry, but I'm throwing every short pass I can, and I'm going to make their secondary tackle. And that's what he did. The kid throws 51 passes. You know, most of them are pretty easy throws, not hard. Guys are wide open. The receiver's cup. I mean, how many yards after the catch did he get in his 11 receptions? So... McVeigh understood what the game plan was. He modified his game plan to attack, and Bowles couldn't have an answer for it because he couldn't pressure him. That's called coaching. That's why McVeigh's worth $30 million. McVay certainly is one of the game's great coaches. Final thought here on the Bucs, because you mentioned the fact the running game is important as well. Arians, when talking about the four drops by running backs, he said the one to Rojo, Ronald Jones, was not Brady's fault. That screen hadn't even developed yet. We turned a guy loose on the right side, mental error. He threw the screen way too fast. Leonard Fournette probably should have caught. He can catch two out of those three. Tom can throw a better ball. It's a combination of both. So their running game is going to get better, not than just running the ball, but actually catching the ball out of the backfield. That's the story when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When we come back, Mike and I will preview the biggest games for Week 12, including some Thanksgiving Day games, including three and seven teams battling for first in the East. Yes, I said it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, before we get into some games here, we do want to discuss, listen, Thanksgiving on the way here, Season 3, Episode 10, To Save Us All from Satan's Power, The Sopranos. Tony is visited by the ghosts of Christmas's past, Janice hosts Christmas dinner, and Sylvia has dreams of missing cheese and a dirty rat. I mean, this was right before Pine Barrens, which is a very famous episode, arguably the best, and then it's right after the Telltale Mutzadel. But the, this was a great episode, Mike. Episode 36, you had lots going on here, a showcase for 
Tony and Janice and their entire relationship, right? Oh, it's so good. When Tony walks into that kitchen and says, I'm not going to eat here until it gets cleaned up. And then when the guy comes over the house who falls asleep, you know, the pastor, what's that guy's name? She was dating, you know, like, have you, have you been saved? Have you, have you heard the word, you know? And then of course, this is when we get Jackie, this is when we get Jackie Jr. come in and, and you could see he and Meadow got something going on. It's, it, I think it's one of the best episodes ever. And, you know, we got the big, you know, and then of course we got the big mouth Billy Bass is in it, you know, and that eventually is going to come to the end of Puss, you know, it brings back the memory of Puss, you know, so I mean, it's just so good and to see them and the best is 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 Char- Charmaine. I mean, how, you know, she starts to look really good and then, you know, and then, you know, she's pissed, she hates Tony and then, uh, Tony beats up Jackie Jr. You know, and uh, on the floor because he's at that strip club. Oh, it's just, part, I mean, it's really one of the best episodes ever. Oh yeah, the, that strip club scene where, where Christopher and Sylvia happen to see Jackie Jr. and just how enraged Tony is. He confiscates the gun that Ralphie gives him. He knees him in the groin. Afterwards, Jackie tells him he's flunked at a Rogers, like uh, excuse me, Rutgers. I mean, you talk about the all-time losers, like Jackie Jr. Considering who his father was, Tony gave him so much rope, and the guy was a consistent disappointment. What a disaster he was. What a disaster. You know, and I mean, that's what makes it so good that is, you know, there's Tony who's in the strip club himself, but he hates the girl, his, his, you know, I mean, such everything is, everything is, is basically in Tony's world is do as I say, don't do as I do. I mean, it's just so good. Yeah. And especially for a little Jersey love here, because both Mike and I are in Jersey, Asbury Park, Boardwalk in winter. You get a nice view of the sea, uh, previously featured in Funhouse there. I mean, it, it obviously feels so authentic, which is, it's such a great episode. Um, all right, before we get into our picks, make sure you check the most up-to-date betting lines by using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, how's your record, Mike? You said it's been a tough year. You're on a cold streak. Oh, it's been horrible. I mean, let's see. Right now, I'm 17-23-1 this year. I've been on, I'm on an eight-game losing streak right now. I, I'm going to fix this. I mean, I've tried to... Uh, I, and you know, the funny thing is, I wish I could send people my... Sh- I, I, I do the stupid things that that don't make any sense. And this is a lack of discipline on my part. It's I overthink it. Like... I mean, I was all over the bucks, and yet my numbers, I had the Lombardi line was 2.37, and I was going to get four. So if the lines, if if my line says it's it's it should be just a, the Bucks should only be favored by 2.37, and you're giving me four, four and a half, I should have taken the Rams, right? Right? I don't do that. I had the I had the Vegas line on the Kansas City. I had it as a six point line. That line was up to seven and a half. And I took the I took the I took Kansas City because I thought Kansas City would would blow them out. So this this week, AD, I'm not analyzing the games. I mean, I will in terms of that, but in terms of turning my picks in, it's all going to be predated in my spreadsheet. I hear you, man. Amen, my friend. We all have good stretches. We have bad stretches. I know you're going to turn it around. Let's talk first about the actual games. And listen, every year Thanksgiving is the best because you're with family, you're with loved ones. I know it's different this year. A lot of us are not traveling, but hey, as long as uh, we got some football and a warm fire and a little bit of turkey, away we go. Texans and Lions is the first game of the day. When you look at the Houston Texans, you know, this is a team that's three and seven right now. I think people haven't watched a lot of them, assume that Deshaun Watson maybe has been the issue, but his numbers have actually been really good, even though Billy O'Brien isn't there. So watching Houston, I think people are going to say, what exactly is their issue? And when it comes to Detroit, Matt Patricia, is he dead man walking? Is he going to have a job after this year? You know, remember in, to save us all from Satan power that Tony, you know, uh, she's compla- uh, Janice is complaining about her wrist, you know, and then Tony eventually, Tony and Furio go beat up the limo driver. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think Matt 
Patricia's headed for one of those beat-up sessions. I, I mean, I think if the Lions weren't playing on Thanksgiving Day, I think Matt Patricia would have lost his job after the Carolina game. Now, I, if they win on Thursday, will he keep his job? I don't know. But I think when you said dead man walking, I think it's not. I think it's it's a little bit of you know, it's just a question of when. You know, it's going to be after the next loss. I think he's lost the team, according to people that I've talked to. And I think the team doesn't really resonate with him. I think the organization is kind of pissed off at him. And I don't know where he is with Bob Quinn. Those two are best of friends. So, but, you know, last week he plays Jeff Okuda, his, his one of his, the third pick in the draft, the guy he takes over, Derek Brown and all those, 24 plays. You know, the best line about Matt Patricia that you could, you could possibly say, and I like Matt as a person. I never saw Matt as a head coach, but as a person. But the best line, without getting any personalities involved, is when Adrian Peterson came out and said, you know, I've been waiting to get benched for three weeks because Swift is that good. You know, you know when, when a, one of your players says that, you got some, you know, that's really a slap at your coaches. Peterson, who's, you know, who's loving life playing football, he knew Swift was better. You know, I had a general manager in the league tell me that, that after his game, he went over and said, that, you know, to somebody, said every time they gave Peterson the ball, they were doing us a favor. Swift is a legitimate big time player. Now, will he play in this game? I don't know. But what you said about Watson, A.D., is so right. Watson is flat-out sensational. He's having a career year. He's at 8.5 yards per attempt. His interceptions are down. He's throwing it unbelievably. He's been great on third down. They can't run the football at all. And I think the speed of the game, his speed, like what he did to New England, that was a hard matchup. There's another game on my sheet last week. Everybody took New England, right? On my sheet in week 12, and and I, I'm not making this up. This is all because I'm the first to admit I made it. I'll make mistakes. Arizona last week uh, in in week 12 when they played New. I mean, excuse me. Uh, when they played, when Houston played, I had that as a one-point game. That should have been a one-point game. So I easily should have taken Houston and gotten the two and a half or three. The speed of Houston's offense was way too much for New England's defense. That was going to be a problem. That's going to be the same problem this week. Now, the question is, is Detroit's offense, if healthy, Stafford wasn't healthy last week. I don't know where Swift is. Before you bet this game, really take a look at that because Detroit on Thanksgiving is typically a little bit better. They have a little fight. The matchups don't favor Houston. I have this game currently right now on my line. I have the line. It should be 2.43. The line is at circa is 3-1. So there's a little bit. There's not much There's not much difference in there. So the line's pretty well dead on, which would be a stay away for me. But if I had to play anything, it would have to be Detroit. I wouldn't like it, but I'd have to. if I played Detroit, it'd have to be with, with health. Yeah, it's amazing, by the way, just to go back to your point about Detroit's game against Carolina. With offense, is such a premium in this league. The fact you score zero points, and like I said, Stafford wasn't healthy, but come on, zero points. It's just embarrassing right now for Detroit. So if you had to make a pick, you would go with Lions. Next game up is Washington-Dallas. Speaking of embarrassing, two, three, and seven teams. It is a three-way tie for second place right now in the NFC East. All those teams, a half game back of the Eagles at three, six, and one. Listen, <clears throat> Dallas played better against Minnesota. Dalton had a couple touchdown passes. Ezekiel Elliott finally gets his first 100-yard game of the season. For Washington, 36-year-old Alex Smith. Yes, he's a great story. Led them to the game-winning drive, but I don't know how much confidence you have in him moving forward. 
Uh, this could be an ugly game, Mike, but shockingly, it's deciding first place in the NFC East, at least for week 12. Who you got? Well, you know, this is another one. I mean, Dallas, the last two weeks have played much better. There's no doubt about that. Dallas has been, uh, you know, they've actually looked, looked good moving the football. You know, they're two and four the last six games. They turn the ball over way too much. They turn it over. They've turned 12 turnovers. But in the last two games, they've had 144 yards rushing and 180 yards rushing, which has been really good. Now, they've allowed 52 points in the last four games. Meanwhile, the, the, the Washington football team is two and three in the last five games, and three of those losses have been by seven points. Alex Smith is playing better. The problem I have in this game is Dallas's defensive fronts, the speed of their defense, has got to give Alex Smith some problem because Alex Smith is a great, wonderful story. But I think when he plays against a team that's fast, I think he's going to have some issues. Now, for me, this is a game that I think when you look at the line, the line says, I have it as a four-point game that you should favor Washington on the road, which typically would never be. Circa has it as the Washington two and a half. I think it's probably closer to a 1.6 difference is what, what it really is. I think it's a one-point game. If I leaned anywhere, I would lean towards I would lean towards Washington. All right, so maybe Washington football team can pull up the victory. Thankfully, then we have an excellent game, or at least on paper, excellent game in prime time. The Ravens and the Steelers. Steelers right now are ten and zero. Feels like a must-win game for the Baltimore Ravens. That's right, because this is a team that's lost two straight. They've lost three of four. They don't have a vertical passing game. Lamar Jackson can't get on track. And you see how quickly they can become unraveled. You thought before they might be able to win this division. Now that's not going to happen. Now it's about staying in the fight for the playoffs in the very competitive AFC. And to top all of that, the Ravens have had at least nine guys test positive. The facility's closed right now. They say the game is going to go on. I don't know how you can pick the Ravens unless the line is so in favor of Pittsburgh. Feels like a Steelers win, Mike. Tell me I'm wrong. You know, it does. I mean, and when you go back and look at the other game, though, I mean, if the Ravens don't turn the damn thing over four times... It, 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 it's a lot closer game. I mean, what, what's shocking to me is, and I've always been a big believer in, in the Steelers' defense, is what when you break down the Steelers, they're 6-0 and the last six games, no doubt, right? But they have given up. They have given up a ton of yards running the football, a ton of yards running the football. And they've won the last three games by 4-5, five, by 5-4-3. Five, and three. You know, they've given up 22 runs over 10 yards. You know, they've allowed almost four, almost five yards a carry in the last five. I think this game sets up really good for Baltimore and the way they played it. If they don't turn the ball over, what's remarkable about the Steelers is in, a, in an age where everybody throws close to 70% completions, the Steelers are holding opponents to 54% completions. <laughs> There's no team's ever gotten over 60% completions against them. They've had 21 sacks in the last six weeks. They've been remarkable with their pass defense and their pass rush. I think this is a game Baltimore just has to run the football and keep it as close. I lean towards Baltimore here. You know, I think it's a lot closer game than the line indicates. I mean, right now I have it as a, Right now, I have Baltimore. I mean, Pittsburgh should be favored by 6.68. The line's four. You know, there's a variance. Uh, uh, there's a little bit of a wiggle room in there. I, I, I like Baltimore. I would, I would take Pittsburgh in this game because of Baltimore and because of the way they're playing. It worries me. I've always considered teams on Thanksgiving to have their best shot. But Baltimore, if they don't have Calais Campbell and they don't have Williams, who they won't have in there, I think this is a game the Steelers can dominate. And I think, again, if the Ravens lose this game, they ain't making the playoffs at 6-5. and five. Next up, a couple of teams, Titans and Colts. What a win that was for the Colts. Their defense... Getting beat up by Packers and the Rogers, uh, by 
Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers the first half. Second half, they tightened it up. Only gave up three points. They end up emerging victorious in overtime. So now, now they're 7-3. and three, And the Titans right now are 7-3 and three as well. Really good game this weekend, Mike. You feel like it's going to be the Titans offense versus the Colts defense. Who do you like here? You know, th- this one is is another one. It's really close. I, I think when you look at the, t- the the Colts, I mean, their second half was so good last week, they were able to. And for me, anytime I want to go against the Colts, it's only because... I definitely would like to go against a defense that I think can give Rivers problems and make him move around. Rivers has played much better when he can play against a slower defense that can't rush the passer. And I think that's Tennessee. Tennessee really can't. And I think this Indy offense is starting to really get into gear and they're playing much better. You know, Tennessee had a big win. Tennessee is really good, though. I'll tell you what, Tennessee's really good at being able to control the line of scrimmage in terms of the run game and the big fella. I mean, he falls forward for three yards. You know, he falls forward there and he can make plays. This, to me, I had the line, it should be two points. It's three and a half, which means it favors it favors taking Tennessee. But to me, I, I wouldn't pick this game because it's too close. The line, the wiggle, it's it's really kind of right in there. So I'll lay away. Again, on Sunday, Sunday morning, I'm going to put all the ones that I officially, because it's Wednesday of the week. It's a little early for me to put out picks, but that would be one. This is one I don't have uh, as one I would play. And as always, you can follow Mike's picks. He'll give those out Sunday morning at M Lombardi NFL. Same as your Twitter and your uh, Instagram handle. Mine's is Adnan S. Farik. You can follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. One more game to discuss. That would be the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Kansas City is 9-1 right now. Mahomes, despite the fact he's outplayed by Carr, is able to pull off the victory for the Chiefs in that final drive. They throw it seven times. They get a touchdown to Kelsey wide open. The Buccaneers, as we discussed previously, offense has some issues as they lose to the Rams. They're 7-4 and four right now. Tampa's at home. I don't want to say must win because the NFC is not as strong as the AFC. I mean, if you look at the NFC, excuse me, yeah, the NFC playoff picture, you've got seven teams that look good, and then the Bears are actually the first team on the outside and looking in at five and five. Then you get the Vikings at four and six, et cetera. The Bucs can lose this game and still make the playoffs. But the point is, Mahomes versus Brady is going to be the spotlight. I'm really curious, Mike, to see how this Tampa's offense does against Casey's defense. Well, I think they'll run the ball. I mean, look, I think they can run the ball in this game, which will help Brady. I don't think Brady's going to have to throw the ball. I mean, on my power rankings, you know, and I think anybody who does power rankings has Tampa Bay as the team that's favorite. So if you're going to get the points and and the other team's power rankings are favorite, you know, Tampa, I have this week going in as the third best team in the power rankings, Kansas City's fourth, even in spite of the way they play. Pittsburgh's one, New Orleans is two, Tampa's three, Kansas City's four, the Rams are five. So those are the top five teams I have my power rankings. And in this game, Kansas City on the road, the home team coming off a short week, you know, everybody's going to load up on Kansas City. You know that that's going to be the, that's going to be the play. Everybody's going to look at it. But to me, I think if they can run the ball, if Tampa Bay can run the football in this game and you're going to get more than a field goal, you're going to get that half point, I think it'll be a close game. I, I lean towards taking the Bucks here because it does set up well for Brady. It'll be more balanced. There's no, They can't cover anybody. I mean, the Raiders showed you could run the ball on them. The Raiders showed you could throw the ball on them. And if they protect better, which I think they will in this game, I think Tampa, this will be a down to a field goal game at the end of the game, and that half point will make a difference. Yeah, if it's a shootout, obviously, then you're leaning towards KC. But if you can ground control ground and pound, so to speak, you know, obviously control the clock. Maybe Tampa Bay can pull out this victory. When we come back, just in time for Thanksgiving, we answer the age-old debate, sauce versus gravy. Don't go anywhere.
All right, sauce versus gravy. That is the eternal debate, is it not? Especially if you're an Italian-American like Michael Lombardi. So we're going to lean on here the Sopranos cast members who have discussed this in the past. Vincent Pastore played Big Pussy. Manufacturers call it sauce. A lot of people in America call it sauce. I'm calling it sauce. Despite this, he said, when I was growing up, my mother called it gravy. When you go to the grocery store, there are no jars of red sauce that say gravy on it. So I'm not calling it gravy. I'm calling it sauce. Joe Ganascoli, Vito Spadafore. In New York, it's always sauce. In Philly, it's gravy. They call it gravy because there's meat in it, but if there's no meat in it, it's it's still gravy. I don't know. I don't get the whole thing. You got Steve Sharippa, Bobby Bacala. He said his jars were labeled sauce, but his company also at times uses gravy on occasion. Please, Mike, settle this for us. Is it sauce? Is it gravy? Well, for me, it's always been gravy. I mean, my mother's making Sunday gravy. I mean, you go to Rayo's, okay? Uh, If you go to Rayo's in New York, you go to Rayo's in Las Vegas, you go to Rayo's in, in LA, they have Sunday gravy. I mean, gravy's got it's 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 to, it's sauce with meat in it. If it's just sauce, it's got you know it's got no meat in it, so it's gravy. You know, and it's like me, you know, like I, I only knew two kind of breads when I was growing up: Italian bread and American bread. American bread was white bread, you know. And I would I would go to the the Downey's grocery store and I'd say I need American bread. I get the Wonder Bread. You know, if I needed Italian bread, I'd go to Benny's. So it, it to me, it's always been gravy. I ain't going to change. I mean, Sunday gravy. I like Sunday gravy. Thanksgiving, we're going to have gravy. We're going to have some form of gravy on Sunday. We're going to have some meat on Thanksgiving. You think Tony didn't have the meatballs in that gravy or some sausage or something before he got the turkey? Of course he did. You know, so. I think it's gravy, but I grew up, you know, one thing about the state of New Jersey for people that have never been back here, Jersey is truly, you know, a a, a state that is defined by a city. Trenton at North, it's all New York. Trenton South, it's all Philly. And you just draw a line across Trenton, which is the state capital, and you go south, everything's Philly related. You go north, everything's New York related. And they're two different kind of areas. I mean, even the pastries are different in North Jersey. We went to a restaurant the other night, Bill and I. It was called El Nino. El Nino. It was in Marble, New Jersey, one of the great restaurants I've ever been to. And, you know, it's it's kind of like it's it's just north of Freehold. And so you're in you're it's more north. It's more New York influenced, whereas if that restaurant would have been south, it would have been Philly influenced. So it's all based on that. I think it's gravy. All right. At the end of the day, whether it's sauce or gravy, uh, make sure you pass a lot of it to all of your loved ones. And like I said, I know it's going to be tough. People are not traveling as much, but I hope everybody has a a safe and really happy Thanksgiving. And uh, listen, enjoy the football. And uh, I'm giving thanks to, to Mike, and I'm giving thanks to the GM Shuffle, I'm giving thanks to all you out there. We're having a blast, aren't we, Mike? Even in the midst of what's been a terrible year, the Shuffle keeps on going. That's why we give thanks to all of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give thanks to everybody. And I certainly appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate the comments. We appreciate the, the humor that you give us. And I appreciate all the mafia files that people send me via Twitter, Instagram. It really is. It's an interactive community, and I truly and genuinely appreciate all of you. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. 